All right, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. Our weekly Friday show is back again. I'm here, as always, with Brandon and Shane. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Brandon, you? Pretty good. Good. Uh, We are recording this around 11.14 p.m. Pacific time, and let's get started. Or a.m. Yes, (laughs) a.m. My apologies. Um. And let's get started, of course, with uh, Thursday Night Football, as we always do with the Bears and the Bucks. Brandon, I'll go to you uh, with that game in Chicago. What were your thoughts on that one? Um, so I think, as we talked about last night, Robert, um, you know, first of all, I just want to say I think it, it was a surprising showing for a Thursday Night Football game. Uh, usually those games just feel like they've just kind of been like, thrown on the trash pile and be like, fine, we have to do a primetime game, so here you can have Bucks bears um, You know, I feel like it was probably one of those games that they were just like, hey, let's, let's have Tom Brady be like on quote-unquote primetime. Um, I think a lot of it was pretty slow considering there was only one receiving touchdown in the entire game um, and everything else was just kicking field goals. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not really used to Tom Brady getting to the end zone, to the red zone and not being able to, to finish it, you know? Um, And then on the other side, man, uh, the Bears just—they may be—they may be four and one, but they don't look like it. So here's here's my thoughts. One with the Bucks. What do we always say? What have we always said about Brady? His whole Patriots career. We've always said one thing: get pressure on him. And what do the Bears have? They have Khalil Mack, and they have a great defensive line that can get pressure on an O-line that, let's be honest, is a little overrated. Uh, This O-line is not very good in Tampa. So they got pressure, and it made Brady really flustered. Uh, He had a touchdown to one of their, I believe their third-string tight end in the back of the end zone. He missed missed the throw because he got hit on on his left arm, and he completely missed the throw because of it. And it it wasn't just the sacks. It was them making him uncomfortable, putting him like pushing him outside the pocket a little bit more and, you know, just flustering a lot of his throws, especially in the red zone. And then with the bears, I, I, I get so frustrated watching the bears, not because I know what they are defensively. Again, we know they're a very good defense, but my biggest problem with the bears is that they should be better offensively than they are. They have a lot more talent offensively than I think we give them credit for. It's just that Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky obviously being the worst of the two, that they just don't showcase the talent on the team. Like It was so annoying in the first quarter to see Nick Foles just constantly throw the ball to Allen Robinson. And then pretty much throughout the whole game, it was just Allen Robinson and then uh, Darnell Moody, who's been a, a, a pretty good player for them over the last few weeks. Uh, what was a fifth-round pick that our fifth rounder that they got him at. It's just annoying to like spread the ball around a little bit more, get to Jimmy Graham a little bit more. Don't just use him in the red zone. 
Dave Montgomery had a good day catching. Obviously, the running game has been a little rough, but they played uh, some top five rush defenses over the last few weeks. Just spread the ball around more. I, I, I feel like it's that simple with Nick Foles. Just spread the ball around more. And, and not to forget Anthony Miller as well, who his role has been a little diminished, unfortunately. But it's like, just spread the ball around a little bit more. Get other players involved. And I think that will get this offense moving a little bit better than it did. Because even when it was moving, it still looked a little bit flustered to me. Uh, Shane, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I, you know, I think the one of the issues with Foles in this offense is, you know, we've seen him go around to so many different teams, and he is kind of hit or miss depending on which franchise he goes to. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, he hasn't really worked out in most places other than Philadelphia. <clears throat> if at all. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I think it's only his, what, second or third game with um, with the Bears starting. And so I just, you know, I think part of it is that he might need a little time to just kind of mesh with this offense. And because, you know, there's no preseason or anything. So <clears throat> he, I mean, he's coming out pretty raw. You know what I mean? Um, so, I I think that's probably part of the problem uh, because, you know, when you look at his connection with, you know, Robinson or whatever, I mean, he does look pretty good. I think he just needs to, like you said, spread the ball around a bit, a bit more. Um, but, um, you know, and I think if he, I think if he did that, uh, they would be, I mean, not that they're a bad team, they're four and, they're four and one, but, um, uh, you know, they would be much more, a much more convincing four and one, or I think they would, you know, actually give teams a lot of trouble. Um, because I mean, like you said, defensively, you know, they're pretty solid. It's just offense. I think they need to figure a few things out and no Foles. I mean, he's not a franchise guy, um, but you know, he, I think he, I think he is a good, a good bridge guy at least um so you know i don't know if they'll look to draft somebody or probably not at this point since it's since they're doing pretty well but anyways i mean that's the biggest problem is that Foles is the bridge guy and this team needs a actual franchise quarterback because if this team has an actual yeah. franchise quarterback they're a super bowl contender that's just the reality with their defense probably uh, but uh brandon what are your thoughts on on Foles in this offense so first, I just want to say, um, I, I don't think, I think one of the issues that we're not taking into account with the Bears is who exactly do they have as wide receiver, right? They're not exactly stacked. No, they're um, underrated. No, they're underrated. They are stacked. They are really. stacked. No, no I mean, they are. Like I, I wouldn't say I they're disagree, stacked. I, I disagree with you, Robert. Like. I disagree with you in your kind of your hatred for Nick Foles because I actually think Nick Foles is better than people give him credit for. He's you said he's streaky. I think Nick Foles is in a position where he's learning. I think Nick Foles had a hell of a better game. I don't want him to learn. Brady. I don't want him to learn. I want him to do. He did not look streaky to me last night at all. 
He's, he I'm like, talking about his career. His, it was, so when I said streaky last night, my point is his career is just a, it's just a roller coaster. And get in games like last night, show how much of a roller coaster he is. The first quarter, they couldn't do anything offensively. And then for the last three quarters, yeah, he was good. But like, let's be completely honest. They cannot win consistently with Foles at quarterback. Obviously, they can't win consistently with Trubisky at quarterback. But he cannot be doing this. He cannot be doing a roller coaster thing where one quarter he's good and the last three he is. He needs to actually be consistent. I think this wide receiving core is much better than people give it credit for. I love Jimmy Graham. He's playing phenomenally this year, considering what we projected him to do. I I feel like it's on fools to make this offense work and nobody else. And I don't think he is. Yes, I think you're right in the sense that he is playing better. But I can't have this be a week-to-week thing. It either has to work or it doesn't. Because Chicago has bigger aspirations than we think they should. But uh, go ahead and finish your point, Brandon. So, right. So here's my – here and, like, I would argue that you – so the whole thing about him being streaky, right? He's played for – here. Let's, let, let, let's, just, let's just talk about the teams this man has played for. He played for the Eagles where he won his Super Bowl, right? Played really well. He beat Tom Brady, you know, or Philly special, yada, yada, yada. He played for the Rams, the Chiefs when they sucked, the Jaguars when they sucked. And the Rams when they sucked. And now the Bears. Yeah, the Rams when they sucked. It ain't his fault that he's quote-unquote streaky. He has played for shitty teams with shitty wide receivers and no one for him to throw it to. And you can make the argument that even if you looked at his stats, he, which I, to be fair, I haven't gone super in-depth on his stats, but he's – his actually, no, it's right here. His touchdown-to-interception ratio in his career as of week five, he is 76 touchdowns for 38 interceptions. Like – as a quarterback, he is reliable. Is he a Tom Brady in his prime? No. Is he a Russell Wilson Is it right now? No. Is he an Aaron Rodgers? No. But I would take Nick Foles over tons of quarterbacks in the league who are starting right now. And here's the thing, too. Because, um, Robert, you were saying that he needs to be good now. I don't know that I agree with that necessarily because – I mean, if you look at it, it's not like they are – it's not like they're two and three or something and they need to bounce. But, no, they're doing okay. They're fine. He – you consider his situation. You know, he had you know, no OTAs, no preseason. I mean, this is like – when he hopped in against the Falcons in week three, that was, that was his first time in a game situation with Chicago ever. Okay, it's not gonna. He's not gonna click right away. I mean, look at look at Brady. I mean, he's he's struggling in this new offense, and he's the greatest of all time. So you know what I mean. Like, it's you're not gonna things aren't just gonna click right away, especially when you have no preseason or anything like that. Um, but I think if you give him, you know, two or three weeks, then you know maybe things will start to connect a little more and then he'll start to be more consistent. Um, 
but I mean, I, I know what you mean though, because, you know, I, I do think that they, in the next few years, they should probably be looking at like a franchise guy. Um, because Foles, I mean, he's, what is he, 30, 31, something like that. Um, and I don't think he's going to be one of those guys who's going to play really well until he's like 40, you know? So, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. To me, he's like, you know what he is to me? To me, he's like a younger uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's basically his career, yeah. But like a little better. Or maybe a Brian Hoyer type. Well, no, he's better than nah. that. But, he is yeah. better than that, I will say that. Yeah. But look, look I, I will say that this criticism, as you guys pointed out, is semi-unfair. But it's be- for me, it's because I, I expect more from Chicago. I do because I think they have talent around that offense and that defense is so good. And and I cannot tell you how you, so, so remember Jacksonville, right? Remember Jacksonville when they made the AFC title game and obviously Foles much better than Blake Bortles. No question. I look at that Jacksonville situation in that year when they won the AFC title game and then the year after. And I just think the bears are in basically that same position because I look at the bears and I go, Hey, Defense, right? Like Saxonville, right? They had a top five defense. This defense is top five. Now, they haven't performed like top five. You know, they they even showed on the broadcast since 2018. But why haven't they performed top five? It's because they're put in precarious situations because of this offense. I understand that it might be a bit unfair to put all the criticism on Foles. Obviously, a lot of it probably should be on Matt Nagy. But the reality of the situation is I think that this defense is just frustrated. And at some point, it's going to boil over. And that might not entirely be on Foles. It probably shouldn't be. So to be fair, to to be honest, I should say, it is a little bit unfair. But the reality is I expect more from this offense because this defense, to me, is getting frustrated. And eventually, it's just going to be like, we're done. Do do you get what I'm saying? That's where I have an issue. Ultimately, if you're looking at the big picture, that's the big picture issue here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I do think that, you know, because cause I agree with you, I think that they're, you know, I mean, their receivers aren't like, you know, they're not stars or anything, but, um, but I do think that they're pretty underrated. Um, and so, you know, I, I mean, I think that, you know, if they have, because, I mean, you look at their quarterback situation. I mean, if they were able to make the playoffs with Trubisky under center, I mean, like, dude, come on. <laughs> they're going to, you know, they're going to, you know, with Foles, it's like, okay, you know, they'll probably, they're they're four and, four and one now. It's like, okay, they're, they're going to, they're probably going to remain, I don't want to say consistent, but, you know, they're going to keep winning throughout the year. And then come playoff time, it'll be interesting to see if we get some of that Foles playoff magic or whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyways. Here, here's, the, here, here, here's the biggest thing to, to close out the Bears part of, of, of this game. What are, the, what are the Bears' defensive ranks right now? Are they in the top 10 defensive ranks or no? Um, I'm not, I, I'm not exactly of, like, just overall ranks. Where are they overall ranks right now? Uh, let me check. 
Because I think that's really important. I mean, I imagine they're pretty high, but I, I don't know. Um, okay, let's see. So, total points, they are... Oops. Bears D, position rank nine, basically. Okay. Two, three. So, okay, so they are technically top ten, pretty much. They're yeah, 16th in that, points. That's confusing to me that they could be top ten when they've when every game they've won has been well, every single game this year has has been within Yeah. A touchdown. Yeah, so maybe they, they're not exactly top they 10, maybe they're the, 15. They, they but... beat the Lions by four. They beat the Giants by four. They beat the Bears by four. They lost to the Bears. I mean, they lost to the Colts by eight. And then they beat the Buccaneers by one. So here's my point. The point is that, the again, I'm, I'm using the rankings as an example. I mean, we're not totally prepared for that, which is okay. But, uh, I mean, I wasn't expecting to, to make this point necessarily. But my, my point stands is that they were top five in 2018, and they've consistently gone down in rankings because, the, like, if you had a franchise quarterback there, they probably would finish top five easily defensive-wise. Because because the offense wouldn't move down the field and the defense wouldn't like wouldn't have to be on the field as much as they are, yeah. you know they wouldn't get as tired out, and and that's part of the problem is the defense has progressively gotten worse, not because of the actual talent on the defense, even though they have lost some pieces due to opt outs and things of that nature. It it's still. It's still a very good defense regardless of that. It's still a top five defense regardless of that. But the reality is they're just on the field too much. Like Khalil Mack was productive and he's been productive this year, but he can be even more productive if that offense can be more consistent or at least move the ball more often. Uh, And that's where the need for a franchise quarterback is. Um, The Bears are a perfect example of it right now. Who would they get though? Um, I would, I would say it would probably be Justin Fields. I think Fields probably would felt would fall to them if yeah, they. Yeah, because I was gonna say because they'd have to. I mean, they'd probably have to draft somebody unless there's, you know, depending on what happens with free agency. I mean, I would say I would say the likely spot is Fields, but I don't know. I think Fields might still go in the top ten, and I don't think they're gonna yeah, be top ten. I think they may have to trade up, but again. If right. you trade it up to get Trubisky, how how I mean, obviously it was a different regime with John Fox, but is this is this organization really willing to trade up in the first round, or, or even get into the first round? Because I don't know if they do have a first round pick this year with all the trades that they've made. But like, like, are they willing to give up capital and how much capital they really have to move up? So that's a maybe it's maybe hey maybe it's Trey Lance maybe it's Trey Lance uh, in like the second or third round maybe. Um, potentially, who knows? Um, I, I always wonder how how Bears fans feel knowing that they they took Trubisky before Watson and Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, there's a really great piece. Uh, I forgot who to give this uh, credit for, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 let you guys know. On Bleacher Report, there is an amazing piece on how the Bears drafted Trubisky. Um, 
and it <laughs> it was a very it's a very good piece. I forgot who wrote it, so my apologies to to her. But uh, uh, go on Bleacher Report and just search up like uh, Trubisky draft or whatever, and you will find yeah. that that came out a couple weeks ago. Very interesting uh, essay on why John Fox and the Bears organization drafted uh, Trubisky. Uh, and then moving on to the Buccaneers, Brandon, I'll go to you uh, because Brady made a rookie mistake last night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I feel like that when you think about it, it's kind of on par with Brady and how he tends to at times get I would say overexcited like he gets very like like go 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 we're gonna win like um and he just uh I've definitely seen him do that before where he's gone for a big chunk play when it was like a fourth down and he thought it was third yeah Um, for some reason it just popped in my mind like a, a I remember that I've seen that happen before. Um, And it's interesting because I forget who it was, but I saw someone talking about this last night. I think they tweeted it out about how this is an example of Brady not benefiting from being with Belichick and how Belichick kind of kept everything like locked down, like very like in order. Whereas Bruce Arians is kind of is very loosey goosey and just like doesn't like everybody's kind of doing their own thing a little bit, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting statement. And I feel like it is fair because I'm starting to to realize that the fact is Tom Brady did benefit from being with Bruce from being with Bill Belichick. Um, I personally think in this situation right now, Tom Brady leaving is making me realize just how good of a coach Bill Belichick is, you know, seeing, Um, yeah. And seeing how, um, how successful new England is now, you know, yeah. with, I mean, they have the, other than cam, they pretty much have the same team as they did last year and they looked I mean, they looked very sloppy last year, <clears throat> but now with Cam, I thought, well, this isn't going to work. And now, because they're totally yeah. different kinds of quarterbacks, but now he not only is working with Cam's style of play, but Cam himself looks much better in terms yeah. of, you know, his throwing ability. But it's interesting because, like, you take, as we saw last week, Without Cam Newton, that team doesn't work. Oh, and Stidham's going to start on Sunday. By They're the going to be trash. They're going to lose again. Uh, against, so the, and against the uh, Broncos. Uh, I can, I can put, I would put money down that they will lose. Well, they also played the Chiefs. That's part of the problem. Stidham, but... But like, Stidham looked terrible. Wait, even with the Broncos uh, maybe playing I, Drew Locke, maybe I, not? I just don't see it happening. Also, can we just talk about the fact that this look of shock from Brady? I've seen this in like every game he's played so far this <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. 
he is not having a good time. Like I could tell he is not enjoying his time in Buccaneers land. So here, here's my thoughts on this. And, and, you know, and it, it's, this is a, this is a, it, it might be seen as a really strange point, but this is why I love Brady on the Bucks. This is one of the huge reasons why I love it because Arians in it himself is fiery and Brady is fiery. It's just about how they actually spark together and we haven't seen that yet. I will also say this, and I'm not intending for this to be an excuse because I don't think it is. And here's why I don't think it is. Brady came here for Bruce Arians, but also one other important reason. He had weapons. Godwin, Evans, Gronk, OJ Howard, who's unfortunately out with an Achilles for the rest of the year. Cameron Brait, who he's really loved. Let's be honest about this. He came to this team for the weapons. And guess who wasn't there last night? The weapons. Mike Evans. I don't know why Mike Evans is playing. He doesn't need to play. The guy needs to rest up and heal his hamstring injury. He didn't need to play. Okay. Godwin didn't play. Why is Evans out there? He's not even being productive that much this year. All things considered because of his injury. Let's get this team healthy for two weeks. And then let's see what this team is about. Because we saw, because because here's the thing. This is a really strange thing. Last week, Brady threw for five touchdowns, looked great. This week, it looks like an absolute mess. It feels like a bit of a flip flop. I mean, it is fair. It is fair. But let's see this team with their weapons in full, and then I'll make a determination on what this Bucks team is. Because right now, my thought is, it's not dysfunctional. It's just rocky, but it still looks really fun. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I don't think it's dysfunctional by any means. I just think it's, it you know, it's it's like the it's like the full situation in Chicago. It's just you know when you adapt to a new team, I mean, it's just you know things are going to take a minute to to mesh, especially with no preseason or anything. So, and without all your weapons on offense, what do you expect? Yeah, so. No, I'm in. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty much in the same boat with both of them. So it was interesting that they played last night. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but yeah. And then let's see. Let's move on to the rest of the week five schedule. Of course, we have games on Monday and Tuesday this week uh, due to. Uh, COVID-19 protocols. We'll get through that as uh, we go to those Monday games. We'll preview it, but we'll sort of talk about some of those protocols. Um, For the 10 o'clock slate, it's a bit smaller than usual. Uh, Shane, I'll have you go first. What are uh, your game to watch or what are your, what is your one game to watch? I should say for uh, this 10 o'clock slate. Uh, For me, uh, you know, none of them really jump out, to be honest. Uh, but uh, one that I think would be interesting is Bengals Ravens, um, because mainly I want to see how Burrow does against a defense like this, mm. uh, because thus far at least that I can think of. He hasn't played amazing defenses. Um, 
but he's still been pretty competitive, you know? And so he's definitely getting better week to week. And so I, I mean, I, I'm not expecting him to win. I just want to see, you know, cause this is going to be very challenging for him and that O-line. So I, you know, I want to see how they kind of, you know, what their plan of attack is and just what kind of success they could have. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot of these are just kind of kind of bad. <laughs> so so here's what I'll say with the the Ravens and the Bengals. So one interesting thing happened earlier uh this week where Lamar has been limited uh and out of practice. Uh this is today was the first time he practiced this week due to a knee injury and a not a non-COVID related illness. How do you expect that changes this game, if at all, Shane? Was he going to play? Yes, he is going to play. He, he's, he practiced fully today, I believe. Well, then then I'm not too worried. Um, I mean, if he's, you know, if he's healthy and he's, and he's been practicing fully, then, then, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't see how there would be an issue there. I mean, mm-hmm. he had less practice time, which I guess doesn't help, but. Um, you know, it's not like one day is going to kill him <laughs> missing one day, you know. I don't um, think we'll see him run the ball as much, though. No, I don't yeah, think so not. either. Especially since he's been out with a knee injury, I think. Yeah, so it's it's knee and a non-COVID-related I, I illness. I just don't think, though. I just, since it's the Bengals, like, no hate, but, like, it's the Bengals, so I don't think they're going to really have to. They're probably, yeah. Running that much. Is RG3 going to play at a point in this game? Probably. Because they're going to blow him out, as it always seems to be. Um, Or even if they don't, I'm sure they're just going into it thinking, yeah, yeah, we got it, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so anyways. Um, At least for the 1 o'clock slate of games, uh, Brandon, I'll have you talk about the Colts and the Browns. That seems to be the most interesting matchup here. What are your thoughts on those two teams? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that. And then after that, I'm going to talk about Cowboys-Giants. All right. Um, <laughs> Colts and the Browns. Um, Browns have looked Browns have looked interesting this year. Um, they kind of like – they put up a lot of points. But, my God, is their defense terrible. <laughs> like, like the Cowboys, basically. Yeah, except the Browns have like managed to win their games. Yeah, um, they're the Browns or the, they're the Cowboys, but more clutch. I mean, like the Browns, I, there more was egotistical. A, there was a stat at the end of the Cowboys game I heard where they said this was the third game in a row that the Browns had scored thirty plus points. They hadn't done that in like a decade or something, apparently. <laughs> um. So that's one thing. Like, the Browns can score, right? One problem the Browns are going to have, though, is there's more good defenses in this league than not. And their division has pretty good defenses. Uh, we're forgetting one thing about this matchup. The Colts are the number one defense in the NFL. Right. That's my point. That's where I was going with this. Like, here's the thing, though. They, uh, 
the Colts, yes, they have the number one defense, but look at who they've played so far. None of them have very good offenses. So I'm looking forward to this game because I want to see if their defense is really that great or if they were just enhanced by the lack of, you know, good opponents. Yeah. Probably good at both. It's but kind of it's kind of like a in a way it's kind of like a prove yourself game for both of them. I yeah, think. they they played the Jags, the Vikings, and the Jets. Yeah, and the Bears. Um. Yeah, sleepers. And you know it, it's one of those. So go back to what I was saying. Um, I think yeah, I think the Browns for me it's going to be. Are they able to put up thirty points again? Um, and the Colt for it's like which I really don't think so with the Colts because the Colts have proven that they can stop running game and passing and they can stop it through the air and on the ground. But then again, as Shane said, they haven't really played anybody that big. I mean, I think the, their biggest like check Mark was kind of against the Vikings where they basically shut down that run game. Um, and I would say the Colts offense is kind of, poop though um so it's yeah still growing a little bit with Ridley. yeah we we expect to cap on it with Ridley. yeah and i would say going back go quickly going back to the browns i think the browns are gonna have a as good of an offense as they have they're gonna have a hard time in their division no they absolutely have, they have the ravens and then the steelers who are both miles ahead of them in my opinion exactly yeah like they're both like like the browns they it, like they have like three or four years, I believe, before they're even Super Bowl eligible. Like they could they could make the playoffs. Like don't get me wrong, like I, I could see them being in the playoffs. I could see them like getting out of the wild card and into the divisional round at some point. That's it. But like for now, yeah, um, I give them two or three years. Yeah, I think two maybe. or three is more fair. I, I kind of see them like the Seahawks when they were in the two in, like in two thousand nine. It's kind of like. They were building and building. Like they, they had to get those pieces together mm-hmm. before they were finally able to break through in 2012. And then it's like, ah, okay. I mean, they have great corners that you know are still developing, and you know Denzel Ward, and they they've added some other pieces there with the secondary. So they're trying to build that. The defense should play better than it is because quality basis, they actually have some quality players on that defense, but. Uh, it's just yeah. not really clicking. Uh, At but the very to- least, they're a fun team to watch. Yeah, for sure, for um, sure. But yeah, going to the Cowboys and Giants. Um, I'm watching this game just to, because this is... I think we can all agree, this is the end of the road for the Cowboys this year if they lose this game. Hmm. Yeah. Because if they lose this game, oh my God. It is Social going media is going to go crazy. It's going to be burn it down mode in in Dallas like someone's gonna get fired someone's gonna get cut Jason Gurr can you come back I mean literally so wait wait here's my question so last week we watched the Giants and Rams game and that game was really weird because the Rams didn't really score a lot of points uh not saying the Rams offense is the Cowboys offense but let's say that Cowboys Giants is at least similar to Rams Giants last week. Is that a concern? For the Giants? For the Cowboys. For the Cowboys. If they play like the Rams played last week, which wasn't perfect. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it should be a concern for even the Rams. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, you know, even if they win, but it's still a really close, low-scoring game like that. I mean, that's, you know, they've shown time and time again that they're, that they have a really good offense that just, you know, doesn't always have that extra, extra edge to score more points and be clutch. But, um, you know, against the Giants, who's a, I mean, they're a bottom two team. <laughs> I mean, the Jets and the Giants. Yeah. New, New York, York, New, New Jersey, York, New York, New Jersey. Uh, yeah. And then there's Buffalo. Uh, but anyways, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, yeah, I think, God, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I mean, I was expecting the, I was expecting the Cowboys to be about eight and eight, you know, but they don't even look like they'll be eight and eight. And at this point, I think that they'll win like five, maybe six. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Shane, I'll have you uh, start off with the Vikings and Seahawks. I want you to focus a little bit more on the Vikings side, though, because last week we were kind of talking, we're doing a bit of a case study on this Vikings offense. Sure. We, yeah. we were talking about how the running game's kind of opening up the passing game a little bit, how Kirk Cousins is starting to trust Thielen, and, of course, uh, Justin Jefferson, who's been really impressive here in the early going. Uh, what do the Vikings have to do in this game, offensively speaking, against the Seahawks team? Well, you know, I think, <clears throat> you know, looking at this defense, they allow they allow a lot of yards. Uh, that's that's no secret. Um, I think part of the reason for that is because they've faced some pretty good pass offenses so far. I mean, you know, you got Cowboys, Falcons, and Patriots who all have really high, you know, off high yardage averages um and then and then there's the dolphins but anyways um <clears throat> you know so i think i think the vikings will definitely move the ball where it has to count though is in the red zone because the seahawks do have you know pretty good red zone offense uh you know once you get close to the end zone it's pretty hard to score on them and i think that'll be the real difference here um because you know they they have some they have some injuries that are affecting them obviously and so you know i think that i mean their defensive line is pretty weak so i you know i think it should be easy for dalvin dalvin cook to you know plug away for you know, five, 10 yards and then get brought down by the linebackers or whatever. And then, you know, I think cousins will have time to, you know, make throws and he doesn't have to worry about a super strong secondary. So again, due to injuries. Um, So, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't see them struggling to move the ball. It's just, you know, once they're in the end zone, how do they do? Um, there's also the issue of, you know, Cousins obviously doesn't have the best history in primetime games. Uh, so, you know, especially on the road. So More Monday night than Sunday night, but still. <clears throat> well, yeah. So, anyways. Um, hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, I think it'll be more competitive than people think, though. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Brandon, do you expect this to be a high-scoring game, and what are your thoughts on the Seahawks side? Where are their keys to win? Uh, I honestly kind of expect the Seahawks to go all Green Bay on the Vikings' ass this year, <laughs> or or to, to on Sunday night. I mean, the Seahawks are like the only comparable offense that to Green Bay that the Vikings have faced so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I fully expect them to just tear them apart. You know? Um, I think they'll score a lot of points for sure. I mean, I, I don't see... I don't think the... I think I honestly think we're going to hold the, the Vikings because they're not going to be able to run it on us because we actually have one of the best run defenses in the league right now. Yeah, it's like top um, six or seven, yeah. And like... We have a very we have like a bend but don't break mentality when it comes to the passing game, as Shane said. Like you get close to the end zone, you're not gonna have much luck. So like a lot of the like most of the touchdowns this year have come from like big big plays, like chunk plays, you know. Although I will say one thing that they've gotten better at is not not letting plays get over get behind our our corners like we had last year, which was one of the most frustrating parts about the Seahawks, was seeing just big, deep-down-the-field plays, which was basically how we lost to Green Bay. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a good game. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the Seahawks are going to prove why they're 4-0 and why the Vikings are 1-3. I, I think I think this is going to be really high-scoring and really fun. It's definitely going to be really close. I think the Seahawks absolutely pull it out. But I, I want to... Hey... This is the game, man. Vikings offense. Let's see it back-to-back weeks. Let's see this offense improve. And if they do, it's going to be a very close game. But I think regardless, the Seahawks are going to pull this out. Yeah, I, I see it being like 42 to 30. Yeah, something around there, yeah. Like it'll be air quotes close. It'll, it'll be like, oh, man, this looks – it's like, oh, it's close, but it's not like yeah. nail-biting like – Clutch your pearls close. Yeah, yeah. I think it could could be like seven to ten or something like that. Uh, and then uh, we'll we'll shift to uh, the COVID uh, protocol changes. Of course, Chargers Saints were the Monday night game as as expected. Uh, Broncos Patriots got moved to uh, the two p.m. Pacific slot on ESPN as well. And then Tuesday we have Bills Titans. This game is still not confirmed. We know that Broncos Patriots is more than likely going to be played. Bills Titans not as much. Uh, due to the protocol. So if this game does get played, uh, we won't have Thursday night football next week. And it was a great game too. It was going to be chiefs and bills, but we'll see that probably uh, Sunday afternoon if this game does get played, uh, but let's shift to those uh, protocols for the Titans um, and how they've uh, mistreated those protocols. Uh, some players broke protocols and held workouts at parks amid their outbreak. And NFL exec said the Titans didn't enforce mass guidelines uh before their outbreak uh brandon your thoughts on how the titans have handled or not handled these protocols and not approached them with any care whatsoever if i was a a part of any other team in this league right now i'd be livid with the titans um they've had six months to watch the NBA, to watch the NHL, to watch all these other leagues and MLB and be like, look, to get this done, everybody has to work together. 
and the fact that the Titans were out here not like even enforcing protocol or going and then like going out and doing your own practice after they shut down facilities because of COVID. I mean, like, come on. I I mean, at this point, I think they should just give the bills the win just to prove a point. Just there has to be some form of punishment. And I don't care. And like punishment isn't just, Oh, take some money away from them. No. When you are an athlete, no matter whether you are high school, Pop Warner, college, whatever, I've, I know what it is like to have to forfeit a game. It is the most furious, infuriating thing in the world to have to just in, forfeit a game because you didn't have enough players or you didn't have so-and-so or you couldn't play. It sucks. Because even if you lose and you actually play, you lost. You actually tried. You actually got to have a hand in the outcome. So here's my thing. And I'm look, the Patriots, them having both of their games moved to Monday night, look, the Patriots have done a way better job. They've only had a few cases. They've been pretty good. I'm not worried about the Patriots. But the Titans to have what? I imagine now it's about 30 personnel, players, coaches, staff, Probably. and other personnel that have tested positive. Here's the ultimate reality of this. Now, if 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 they have more cases and they postpone this game, I imagine the Bills are going to get the forfeit win. But the biggest thing with this for the other teams that have done a good job with COVID, and obviously COVID's kind of been everywhere around the league, uh, whether they've had it or been exposed to it with the COVID-19 list, it's been everywhere around the league. But all of the other 31 teams have done a really good job of, of it, all things considered. The biggest problem with this... Right. <laughs> right the biggest problem with this for me, obviously with, with it is the scheduling changes for, for teams to shift by weeks for teams to play on a Tuesday and then maybe not play on a Thursday, but move that game to Sunday. So that adversely affects the chiefs. Of course, like the Patriots game being moved to Monday, isn't that big of a deal. That's the, that's the problem for me. That's the problem for me. Cause the Steelers, guess what? The Steelers, they they had they played they were supposed to play Titans last week. They had a makeshift bye week that they weren't supposed to have, and we talked about how tough it is to have a week four bye earlier in the year. That's the problem: is that at some point the Titans and you know at least with the Titans, it's affecting so many other teams. Yeah, and, and that's also, the ultimate issue here. You also have to anybody if I'm any. If I'm a team, any of the teams that is on the Titans schedule this year, I'm having real conversations about, like, with the league being like, y'all better give us this win if the Titans don't get their shit together. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's the, the Titans are a dangerous organization at this point. Just straight up. You know, I have to commend Sean McDermott for his comments earlier in the week uh, about about uh, about this. And he was very professional, very honest. I really appreciated his comments in that he was like, we're just going to play like normal. We're just going to take this week like normal and say, OK, we're going to play the Titans. We don't know when we're going to play them, but we're going to we're going to practice like normal and follow the protocols and be smart, but still have it be a normal week. 
Uh, I, I thought that was a really great comment by Sean McDermott. And, and it just showed like, Hey, the bills are going to take it as it is and let the NFL deal with it. And I think that uh, that was really great by McDermott and the bills organization. Uh, but Shane, your, your overall thoughts on this. Yeah, I, um, you know, the fact that, you know, it's one thing if you like it with the Patriots, you know, you have, you come in like you do every day and you have a guy who tests positive and then, you know, you immediately have him self-isolate and, you know, you do your protocols. Okay. That's one thing that'll happen. You know what I mean? But to know that multiple players and staff have gotten this thing and then you continue to get together with the team and do stuff without masks on, that is just stupid. (laughs) There's no excuse for that. Um, They could have done their self-isolation and gotten better. And then they could be playing this week, but no. So now, now they're just being dumb. So yeah, going forward, if they can't, you know, if they can't play, I think they absolutely should have to forfeit their games because, you know, at first it's like, okay, you know, there's one, you know, one case happens, whatever the initial outbreak, that's one thing, but now it's gone on. A long time and it's they have no one to blame for this but themselves mm-hmm. because of how bad it's gotten so i mean yeah brandon like brandon said forfeiting a game sucks but you know you know they don't have anyone to blame but themselves for this like i said so mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really feel any sympathy for them at this point. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's, um, yeah, no, I think that they should definitely have to forfeit. But anyways, and we'll see what happens over the next few days. But again, to conclude this point, the very simple comparison is how the Patriots have dealt with this and how the NFL has dealt with the Patriots and their outbreaks compared to the Titans. The Patriots have had a couple, like two or three, players test positive put them in self-isolation do all the protocols move the game to monday no problem we have two weeks of monday night football no problem we can do monday not a huge deal then the titans it's like oh we have cases it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter we're just not even going to use masks and we're going to be okay or whatever which they aren't and it's just continuing to grow and grow and grow every day So the perfect comparison as a case study is what the Patriots have done versus what the Titans have done. It's that simple. It really is. Yep. Um, Last NFL topic for today is Bill O'Brien. He is now fired from the Houston (laughs) Texans um, due to, honestly, one of the most weirdest ways a coach has gotten fired in a long time, at least in my opinion, uh, Bill O'Brien or J, uh, ESPN Houston, John Gradeno reported that JJ Watt had a heat exchange with Bill O'Brien that led to a player's revolt and ended up getting Bill O'Brien fired. 
Uh, I believe the defensive coordinator was also involved in this heated exchange. Shane, your thoughts on what we originally thought was a firing due to performance, but it was due to this exchange, which the players were extremely unhappy about. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, Cause I wasn't, you know, I think most of us were expecting he would be fired. Um, but not this soon. And so when I heard that he was fired, what seemed to be kind of abruptly, I was like, I thought, okay, that's weird. You know, I would imagine he's the coach, the general manager, all this stuff. I I thought, okay, they're going to stick it out through the year. I imagine. So I was like, there must be something up here. And the story comes out on Wednesday about, well, you know, (laughs) and I was like, okay, I see it's, yeah, this is, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what prompted this heated exchange necessarily, or just how big it was, how many people were involved in it. But I mean, the fact that he has that much power in that organization and that they fired him over it, it must've been pretty bad. Players also mentioned that their voices felt not heard in the organization uh, with Bill O'Brien as well. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on this exchange that led to Bill O'Brien's firing earlier this week? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I'm kind of surprised it took this long, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can go all the way back to the, I believe it was Hard Knocks in 2013 when the, uh, the with the Texans. Um. And there's a part where it, uh, so just to rewind, I went back and rewatched this the other day, right? After I heard about the fight between JJ Watt and Bill O'Brien. And there was something that clicked in my brain that I remembered a part in hard knocks where you see JJ Watt and Bill O'Brien getting at after each other, where basically Bill O'Brien is yelling at JJ be like, your defense sucks, yada, yada, yada. Get get this shit together, basically. And I went back and I watched this part and I looked at J.J. Watt and I looked at his body language and I looked at all this stuff and I was like, this man has never had respect for, J- for Bill O'Brien at all. You just look at him. You look at the way his body language shows, the way he, he talks, just the way that Bill O'Brien coached. The man did not know how to run a team. I don't know how the hell he became GM, but it was never a good situation, and it was about time that he got booted. Um, and as I said to you, Robert, I was half-joking when I said that J.J. Watt is the hero of Houston right now. But he probably is. He's always been the hero I of mean, Houston. J.J. Watt he, is Houston. He's the most <laughs> beloved man in that city right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, all I'll say is it's about time. So It, it was uh, 
it's a weird thing for me because I, I credit Bill O'Brien a lot for Deshaun Watson's development. Uh, I think uh, he actually kind of helped him, even though he's a defensive coach, kind of help him ease into the NFL. But the problem arose after we knew what Deshaun Watson was capable of, which is um, that it's not just about Deshaun Watson and about the other players on this team. It's about do players' voices get heard. DeAndre Hopkins was pretty happy to leave um, this organization. And, and it was, the, uh, for me, ultimately, it was the trades that happened last year. Uh, trading Clowney for, let's be honest, pretty much nothing. And then uh, trading Hopkins for literally nothing. Um, I mean, D- David Johnson, let's be honest here. David Johnson's not getting as much run as he should. Uh, he should be playing a lot better. Hopefully, Romier Cornell is going to help him a little DeAndre bit more. DeAndre Hopkins. Right, right, right. For <laughs> sure, for sure. But, yeah. I mean, hopefully Romeo Cornell kind of gets this team going for a little bit. He's their assistant coach now, the interim head coach. I don't know what they are moving forward yet. We'll have to see over the next few weeks, but hopefully they play better because this team has a lot more talent than they're given credit for, especially with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. And as we talk about consistently, Watson has to stop running, uh, and hopefully uh, that will happen with Romeo Cannell. They just need a no line. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways. Um, and then moving on to some fantasy football stuff, uh, our, thurs- our Thursday Night Football MVP for this week is David Montgomery uh, with 18.9 points. I decided to start him, uh, which I'm really thankful for. I didn't think I was going to, and then last minute hmm. I decided to. Uh, Sometimes that, that happens. But as it seems like every week, everyone is negotiating trades like Madman in our U-Wave League. and. Yes, we have two trades that happened this week in the league. Um, first, we'll go with my trade with our guy, Mason. I traded Debo Samuel and Le'Veon Bell for Miles Gaskin. Um, I'm still kind of murky on like what's the overall thought process of this trade in terms of I know why I made the deal, but in terms of the trade by itself, how it's viewed. So, Brandon, I'll go to you. How do you view uh, this uh, Gaskin, Samuel, and Bell trade? I mean, it was basically, I mean, the way I look at it, it was basically a straight-up Debo for Miles trade with Le'Veon just kind of in there as a, pe- as a piece. Um, I think it's a pretty fair trade when, you, when you're just doing, like, when you're looking at it as what it is, which is straight-up Miles Gaskin for Debo Samuel. Shane, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think, I don't know what his receiver situation is like, but, you know, I think this is a, I think this is good for you, especially in the short term while we're kind of waiting to see how McCaffrey's doing. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't see much of an issue with this one. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, so so two things. One is Le'Veon had value in this league. And I'm starting to understand why he has value. He has value because he's going to come back, not this week. I mean, he'll be back probably on a short-term snap count this week. But moving forward, 
you could make the argument he's a volume based RB two or maybe even an RB two. Um, I mean, is it is it necessarily amazing considering his fantasy track record the last years? No, but at least he's a volume based RB two, and so I I was surprised to see that he had that kind of value to people. But I think I think it's fair. I don't think he was a throw in piece. I actually think he was a valuable piece of this trade. But I think it was interesting because I think both of Gaskin and Bell are kind of comparable in that way, where it's really just a volume-based RB2 kind of thing. And with Debo, I'm very comfortable with my receivers right now. I didn't need Debo. Um, and so for me, I felt like and that's kind of where I'm murky on it. It's just kind of like, okay, here's a volume-based running back that I traded in Le'Veon Bell. Here's Debo because I don't need him for another volume-based running back, another volume-based RB2. And that's kind of it. And then we'll see kind of who shakes out as the better guy. But at least for me in the long term, I just felt more comfortable with Gaskin than Bell. But I don't think I'm, – I'm surprised that he had his – again, the biggest thing for me is I'm surprised at my, how much value Bell had. But the more I think about it, the more I understand why he had value. I just need to see how he actually does once he starts playing, you know. Yeah. Then I think I'll have a better idea. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it was interesting, ultimately, combining the two trades, the trade that I made with Brandon that involved Le'Veon, where I was I was very comfortable in cutting him. But considering that he was on an IR and I had the IR slot pretty much open, I thought, okay, why not just put him on IR, knowing full well five, six weeks down the road I'll cut him. But to at least have him in this trade – I, I, I even look at that trade as, as a more valuable piece, even for the both of us, both Brandon and I, even more now uh, after this trade happened. Well, I, I think it also makes, looking back on our trade, I think it makes our trade look more fair in, yes. the, in, 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 in the balance of things. Because at the time, you were, only t- you were just taking him to take him off the, my hand. Um, and that was my intention full, full yeah. on. So... Shane, your thoughts on the combination of this trade that you see here and uh, my trade that I made with Brandon a few weeks ago. What was yeah. your old trade? I don't even remember. It was uh, Jarvis Landry and James Conner to me, and I gave him... Uh, Bell and Amari Cooper. That's Bell, right, okay. Bell and Amari Cooper. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Does it look I mean, better now? Or, like, how does it look now after this no, trade? I, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, because if you think about it, the way I looked at the trade at the time was it was – I was giving you, like, a wide receiver one, and you were giving me, like, a pit, like a top running back and a decent wide receiver. Yeah, I was giving you a running back one with injury risk and a pretty yeah. decent receiver. And let's be honest, Landry's actually going to play better over the yeah, next few weeks. Yeah, and honestly, he's kind of balanced out better than I thought he would, so. Yeah. Going on to the trade that Shane and I made, um, I traded Shane, Gardner Minshew, and Corey Davis, and in return, I got Rex Burkhead and Dak Prescott. Um, I, I don't know. Um, Shane, can you answer this question for me? Just okay. straight up answer this question, not, oh, I'm helping Brandon. No, I, I answered this question straight up, regardless of if it was Brandon or not. Just ignore that this is Brandon's team and he's 0-4 and all this stuff. Okay. What do you gain out of this trade? 
I mean, here's the thing. I didn't really want for starters, okay. I could use a good backup running back. And so with this, I now have five or six really solid receivers. So I can use one of them as leverage for a trade to get a running back. Okay. That's one thing. Also, my quarterback is Josh Allen. Okay. He is putting up MVP type of numbers. I didn't need Dak Prescott. If I can get Gardner Minshew, you know, he's a solid backup. He's averaging 20 points a game. I'll take that. Um, so I don't, I don't really, I mean, to be honest, at least for right now, I don't feel like I really gain or lose anything. It's not a, I mean, I don't know why you think it's a bad trade, Robert, because honestly, if you think about it, you have to think about it from our, from our point of view of what we needed. Like I got a much better quarterback. No, I think Brand. no, and, I'm not worried about you, Brandon, because I well, think I you won think, this trade. I don't think, I don't think Shane actually busted that hard. Cause like the reason the reason I packaged this deal the way I did is because, I mean, he already has a quarterback, right? That's doing really well. Gardner Minshew gives you a pretty consistent 20, 20 points a game, as a bat, like which is good backup status. Corey Davis, when he's not on COVID alert, you could easily package him, send him off. That's mm-hmm. what. That's how I kind of. That's how I basically advertised this deal. That's how I'm like, looking at it. So, so, but here, here's my ultimate thing. So, so, number one, I compare this trade a lot to the trade I made with. Um, here, let me pull it up with uh, with Jackson, and I. So let's see if I can go back in the archives. So the well, actually, I can't even see it right now. But the trade I made with Jackson was, you know, what was it? It was just, you know, it was Ryan Tannehill and Russell Gage for AJ Green. And I think one other piece, which I don't remember right now. I compared this trade to that because I I lost that trade because I, I cut AJ Green after like one week, as I should have, because he hasn't been productive whatsoever. But I looked at this trade and I went, okay. Shane, the reality is who has more value for in a trade, Dak Prescott or Corey Davis? Dak has immense value. Well, and obviously. there there are teams there are teams in this league that need quarterback help badly. And you could have gone to running back and at least a solid RB2 for Dak. Then I think if you were looking at leverage in my in my point of view, the leverage was Dak, and you would have said you could have looked at a team and went, "Oh, I could have gotten maybe a Devin Singletary type or something for Dak." Corey Davis is going to have much less value, especially that AJ Brown's going to come back. Well, no, I wasn't saying that I would trade Corey Davis. I was just saying that now I have, like, if I wanted to trade uh, one of my other receivers, like, I don't know, like. Like a digs or a oh, then that see then that would make more sense to me. Or something, yeah. Then that would make more sense if you're if you're saying oh digs for example maybe if he's potentially or available something like then, that. Then then I get this trade more. So maybe we have to wait a couple of weeks and see what you could package. So that I understand. That's the thing. I'm not like 
I'm not expecting anything amazing to come out of it right this second. Yeah. Because I, yeah. And I, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I believe that I have the second best roster in our league. So Mm -hmm. I'm not too worried about losing, you know, a, a starting caliber quarterback when I already have one that's just as good, if not better. You would say so, better probably by a bit. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, Dak does good in fantasy, but um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. anyways, um, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of you know what, because I, I mean, I don't know who. I'm just looking at everybody's rosters right now. Like, I, I don't know who would, uh, other than like probably Mason. Well, no, not even Mason. Cause he has Aaron Rodgers. Paul. Yeah. Paul, I guess. Drake. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, he traded for Drake last week, but yeah. But anyways, um, but you know, yeah, I think, I think definitely I have to see what, what you end up packaging if you do later on. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Shane, I'll go. To, I'll go to you for this discussion. I added in uh, Big Twelve football uh, this week. I want to talk a bit about college and you know the air raid offense that the Big Twelve has played. And obviously, Texas has been terrible. Oklahoma lost their last two games. I guess my biggest question is like in the Big Twelve, historically speaking, considering how it's so offensive focused, a lot of these upsets are bound to happen. Correct. I mean, yeah, I'd say that's a fair assessment to make. If you're Oklahoma, for example, why don't you put more resources in actually building a defense? Because if you build a defense, you can not only win the Big 12, but also win the national championship. Am I wrong? No, I, I think that's definitely a fair point. Honestly, I don't really know why... I mean, they, because the thing about Oklahoma is they, you know, they've been so good for so long that they, they definitely have the, uh, the recruiting potential to attract, you know, good defensive guys, uh, but they just, they just don't. <laughs> I mean, sometimes um, it's only one piece, like one top corner, but I'm saying in terms of building that well, yeah. whole defense up. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, that's the thing about college recruiting is, you know, there's no limit on what you, on what kind of pieces you can get. You know, you can go out there with however much money you want and say, hey, you know, we're building up this super team in Oklahoma. And they're like, oh, Oklahoma. Yeah, you guys are good. You got Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield coming through the last few years. Yeah. Spencer Ratley hasn't been horrible. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, this is a, I mean, this is a good program. So, um, you know, I, I think it, they would definitely benefit from having a good defense because it would not only help them immensely in the Pac-12 or Pac-12, in the Big 12, but also, of course, in, you know, like come playoff time uh, because I think that they would have a bit more of a competitive edge against, you know, like an Alabama or a, an LSU, for instance, you know, or a Clemson, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas right now, I think they just kind of have to rely on their 
offense, which can't always get the job done. And which can provide upsets in the Big 12 where every other team is built the same way. Right. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on that. Do you agree with my assessment of the Big 12 in Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, I do. I think the Big 12, personally for me, I think that um, – I don't watch a ton of the Big 12 because it's kind of pretty boring football in my opinion. Um, Oklahoma is really the only ones that are actually kind of stand out. Um, and it's weird. As the season – like – Last year I loved college football. This year I just can't. I yeah. can't. I can't do it. It's, yeah. I you keep I, saying this like every I week. Think, I think oh, no, a lot I of it, ha- it. A lot of it comes to the. I think a lot of it. I've realized is that college football is all about the fans. No fans is rough. No fans in the stands doesn't work. However, for some reason, NFL without fans is fine. Well, because you know, in college you got. You know, it's so much about their passion for their school. And what I mean, you know, you got the whole student section and the, <clears throat> and the, you know, the pep band, and they're all just super hyped. And, you know, there's just something <clears throat> there's, because college stadiums typically are much higher capacity than NFL stadiums, which seems weird, but, <clears throat> but they are. Um, and as a result, you know, you get – it's just so much louder and there's there's just so much more energy there. And so partially because I think the, the audience is a bit younger. And so, <clears throat> you know, I think that that definitely does play a part. And even if – you know, even if you have – like quarter capacity or whatever. Yeah. It's still, there's still people, but you know, they're all spread out and they just kind of look like cardboard cutouts basically. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, I don't know. So, so here's, here's the biggest thing when we're talking about the fans piece for me, it's not about the fans with college football. It's about, I just don't like just general conference play. Even in the SEC, it's not that compelling. So for me, it's more of a scheduling issue than a fan issue. Uh, but with the fan issue, um, let's be honest about the last five, ten years of the NFL, particularly when you're talking about red zone, for example, or uh, things of that nature, direct TV, Sunday ticket, and, and how the broadcasting and production of the NFL is, it's a TV product ultimately. Yeah. Like I'm someone who, like, loves the TV product, but isn't necessarily a huge fan of the actual, like being their experience other than Sunday night, Monday night, or Thursday night. Because for me, when you're talking about the 10 o'clock and the one o'clock games, I want to watch all the games because that experience is more fun for me than sitting at a 10 o'clock game and only watching that game. That's just kind of how the culture of the NFL is, is, at least for me as a fan, I like to watch every team. That's yeah, just who I am. And that's different for me with like college. Cause like I'd much rather go to a college game. Yes. I, yes. Than I would rather an NFL game. Honestly, this might sound weird, but like, I would rather go to a high school game than an NFL game. Cause right. like there's the, <laughs> no, not with, not with the quality of play in, in this, in Washington state, probably we not. No, but I just, I just mean not in, cause 
when you go when you go to a game, you know, half the fun is not it's not like the quality of play or whatever. It's just the ambiance of being there, being in the you know, in the action and surrounded by all these really passionate fans. And, you know, when you go to a, when you go to a high school game, there's all this school spirit everywhere and there's pet band and it's fun and the kids get all hyped and, you know, it's cool. College kind of the same thing, except just, you know, like times 50, but then the NFL it's, that just doesn't exist. (laughs) Like it's just a bunch of like middle-aged people just standing around drinking beer and, watching the play happen they're like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what and then it's what like, yeah i mean you've been to you've been to seahawks games haven't you like uh it's been like five years but yeah yeah no i don't know it's um i mean it's still it's still a great time don't get me wrong but it's i don't know there's just something so much more so much more like fun and special about going to you know, like a school type of like college or whatever mm. at least the, and again that there's a there's a very important distinction here we're talking about being a fan if you're a broadcaster right. you know if you're a broadcaster like i would go anywhere to any nfl game any college game i don't care yep as a broadcaster that's different but as a fan i'm only going sunday monday or thursday because i think that's or sunday night monday night or thursday because that's the only game on TV, and there's just something more fun about watching these primetime games. You know, there's something more fun about actually going to a primetime game as a fan yeah. and a national TV game than a random game on a random Sunday afternoon. Mm, yeah. It, it just shows the product of the NFL, as a, again, as a TV product. Yeah. That's the thing about the NFL is like, I mean, unless they're like with this pandemic and not having crowds unless they unless they actually show the the seats in the stadium like i forget that there's not anyone there mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh brandon for you how much is it about like the the actual decibels they use in the broadcast because they use now 80 decibels for uh the crowd noise that they're pumping in does that kind of change your approach to watching the games on tv in some way to make you think that their fans there I think so a little bit, um, but it was kind of funny last night because I don't know if you noticed, but the the sound kept cutting out, um, like the sound that they were pumping in. Oh, it did cut out a little it, bit. It I didn't cut notice out that. a couple times. Hmm. I was like, "That's really funny." Um, it was like Madden, where it's like sometimes the sound will like cut away, and <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, we're in the Matrix!" But uh, yeah. Hmm. I think it does. It does have a bit of an impact. Mm-hmm. The Matrix. All right, and let's move on to some LMB postseason topics. Brandon, I'll go to you since you uh, put some of this stuff in. Uh, what are your thoughts on the postseason so far? Because it's been pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so, first off, the A's lose to the Astros. The Astros BS continues. They're just, they're so smug. They're so cocky. I hate it. Yeah, you can't. Okay, this is a controversial point, but let me say it. Oh, no. 
I don't Shut know. Up, Robert. I don't, don't want to hear, oh, no. listen, don't listen. hear anything good about them. <laughs> no, no, no. This, get feisty. no. No, listen. Li- this is not a I good will, point. I will fight you. No, listen. Right, just let, let him, let him, let him okay. say it first. Yeah. This is not a... If I'm an Astros player, an Astros coach, how else am I... So, no, regardless, regardless of them not apologizing, which is very stupid and all those other things. In this postseason, how am I supposed to treat it? No, obviously, I think they've been kind of a little overboard. You're supposed to not be going out saying things like, hate, like, haters gonna hate, basically. Like, you're not supposed to be actively antagonizing. Like, they literally, they continue to act like they did nothing wrong. Which I, yes, I agree. That's the problem. Like, they actually said, we're out to prove a point to everyone that hated on us. Yeah. And it's, it's not like- a hated thing, but I think my, the biggest problem with it for me, and I think I'm starting to realize this more is that they're actually saying it out in the public and putting it out there. Yeah. They, but in private, they, in private, they should think that because I don't know how else to approach it. I mean, it would be but to put it out in public, were, right. If they were doing it in private, that's fine. Think whatever the fuck you want to think in private, but like, <laughs> I mean, to be actively going out of your way to say, like, basically make the point that, like, they don't think anything wrong happened is, I mean, no, I agree. And, and to continue, as, and like, as I said last time with this topic, under, below 500, wouldn't have made the playoffs in a regular season. It, I really hope New York kicks the crap out of them. I, I really they probably do. will. I really do. Uh, Shane, go, go ahead Shane. with your point. Well, I was just gonna say they, they, they say they did nothing wrong, and they didn't face any consequences. And then now they're being rewarded by this new playoff format that we initially liked. I, I still like least. it. I still like it. <laughs> well, I know I do too, but it, it's, it's flawed. Just... At least uh, for this year, I think it's I think it's better than the way it used to be. Because I think only ten teams—that's kind of dumb. Like, <laughs> so I'll I'll put it this way: I think in a full season, I would like it. Yeah. My biggest worry is it's half the league. So same thing uh, with NBA. I mean. I mean, people get... I guess that is true, NBA yeah. is 16 teams out of 30. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I, I guess that, I guess in a full season, they should keep it. I like it. I, I want to keep most of the changes they had this year. I I love the universal DH. I love the guy on yeah. second base. Now, in the playoffs, to eliminate the guy on second base, what are your guys' thoughts on that? To, like, completely get rid of the guy on second base to start extra innings in the postseason and yeah, just do a normal postseason? I think the postseason is the time to do it, if anything. <laughs> you know, all things considered. So, I'm kind of back and forth on it. Brandon, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like it. Um, it, feel, it does feel like the time to be doing it is mm-hmm. the postseason. Yeah, I'm kind of going back and forth on it. Um, but even so, I'm, I'm kind of good either way. Uh, and then you also want to talk about the Marlins. The Marlins uh, had a good, played good in the wild card, made the playoff, made the playoffs, won their first uh, playoff series in a long while. Um, 
Oh, they did lose. Um, but uh, what what are your thoughts on the Marlins and what Derek Jeter has done with that that group this year? Um, I just I I don't I can't take them seriously because it was a short season. It was not a real season. I mean, I guess it was a real season, but like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm still a little annoyed that the Barlins got in. Um, <laughs> especially because of the fact that they had the whole, like, they were a, the main perpetrator of the COVID outbreak in baseball. Yeah. And, like, not cool. So. Yeah. Uh, Shane, your thoughts on the Marlins uh, making the playoffs and what they've been doing. Do you think this is a long-term thing that they can make the playoffs moving forward, or is this just kind of a one-year I mean, thing for you. I don't know. I, you know, like Brandon said, it's a shortened season, and you know, a bunch of a bunch of weird things happened this year. So I just, I mean, we'll have to see if they can sustain it. I don't, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, sixty games is vastly different than a hundred and sixty. So yeah, one hundred sixty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll just have to see you know next year when there's a full or hopefully a full actual season so Mm -hmm. yeah um and then moving on to the nba we got a game five tonight of the finals uh shane you and i both on our post show last week kind of felt that this series had a bit more of an edge to it uh the last uh game four kind of showed this even though the lakers got a win um do, do you feel still like this series is over ultimately after this game? Or what are your thoughts on, on where the series is at before we get, get a uh, tip off tonight? I, I do think LA still wins. However, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami got another win in or even two, because yes, the Lakers one however it was obviously pretty close and LA is still seems to kind of have this problem where it's just the LeBron and AD show and no one else is really stepping up at mm-hmm. least offensively you know what I mean mm-hmm. and that worries me because Miami is you know getting more healthy and so they're they're going to come back and start doing you know, a lot more effectively. So it, uh, I mean, again, I don't, you know, at this point, I think, I think LA will win, but I mean, I could see it going to six or seven games very easily. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami got a win tonight. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on the series uh, so far? Yeah. I think, I think Miami will get a win. I actually wouldn't be shocked. So, so, It'll go two ways, I think. I think either Miami, if Miami gets the win tonight, I think it gets them like it gives them the ability to take it to seven. I think, but I think at the end, probably gonna be um, it's probably gonna be the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers are better. I mean, Anthony Davis. Uh, they have a difficult. I mean. 
He's getting to the post, which is important. Uh, LeBron had a great third quarter in this game. I, I, I mean, LeBron and AD are, are just tough to beat, but really AD is the key in this series. Um, and, you know, when he has a good game, he had a good game um, in, in this, in, in the last game, I should say. Um, if he plays as well um, or even better uh, tonight, I think the series is over. Uh, it's really just about AD because we know how pr- productive LeBron is ultimately. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this series. I feel like the Lakers are going to win tonight. But again, as as we're all kind of stating, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat find a way to win. It's on Jimmy Butler to to play kind of like he did in uh, in game three, I think. Ultimately, um, he kind of slowed down a little bit in uh, the last game. So in game three, it, it, he, if he plays like he did in game three, it, it, Miami's tough to beat. But it's hard to do it consistently when it kind of feels like a one-man show, even with Bam there. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, that's the thing about Miami's. They have, like, yeah, LeBron and AD are, like, stars. But then, you know, you got you got three or four guys, even five sometimes, on Miami that consistently put up, like, 15, 20 points and all do their job pretty well. So, it's yeah, it's tough. They're both pretty different, in my opinion. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think game five is going to give us a lot of clarity about the direction of the series or it might end tonight. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Conor McGregor, his saga <laughs> continues. Um, uh, what an interesting spot. Um, he, of course, said he was going to retire. I said that he wasn't really retiring as I did feel that no. the UFC the UFC did uh, basically not give him a fight that he was looking for. Um, the reality of the matter is at, on Fight Island, he wanted to fight on Fight Island this year uh, against you know a top five guy like the guy that he's hoping to fight. Um, but the UFC just didn't give it to him. I think a lot of it was just UFC not being willing to give him a fight, trying to go for the money when, let's be honest, Conor McGregor is a draw either way. Um, and then this saga was interesting because just last week we were talking about Manny Pacquiao and Conor uh, going up in a boxing match. Then a few days later, Poirier and McGregor uh, were doing, or were planning on doing some charity match. And then the UFC stepped in and was like, ah, let's just do this as a real thing. He's Connor signed that contract. Apparently he wants this to happen at the end of 2020. Brandon, what are your thoughts on this whole saga with Connor and trying to get him a fight, maybe not get him a fight. What are your thoughts and how much is the UFC to blame for this whole mess? It's like, you know what it's like, Conor McGregor right now. It, he's Conor McGregor to the UFC is Brock Lesnar to WWE. It feels that way in some respects. Like, yeah. He runs around the like the the story whenever Brock Lesnar's contract is always coming up with WWE is like, oh my God, Brock Lesnar, like his contract, like will he will he sign? Will he not resign? Is he coming back? Yada yada yada. Is he going to the and, UFC? <laughs> Right, is he going to UFC? And like, Conor McGregor is a good fighter, but let's be honest the the most valuable aspect of him is his controversialness. Yeah, his talk. Like, it's it's the fact that he talks the biggest game. He talks the the most crap. He gets in his in his opponent's face the most, and he doesn't give a crap. Like. 
he, I don't think he can, like he could lose and he would still win because he would make more money, get more out of it, and have a bigger name than anybody. Yeah. Although he did bump up Khabib's name a lot, I would say. That's true. Uh, yeah, but how much is the UFC to blame for this whole thing? Because for me, it, it has a lot to do with Dana just not giving him a fight when he wanted to. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, giving... Uh... Like, Connor wanted to fight, right? And the UFC was like, no, we're going to wait for Khabib or... We're going to wait for something else to come come around. I mean, to be fair, I mean, the, the fight the fight that everybody wanted was Connor Khabib part two. I mean, they wanted to see that rematch, you know? So, like, you're not going to use Khabib. You're not just going to use Connor McGregor on some schmuck, you know? But but it, Poirier is not some schmuck. We're going right. to – this I'm fight's going to be great. I'm not, I'm not saying Poirier – I'm not saying Poirier McGregor is, like, a bad fight, but, like, I mean – Look, you're not getting the McGregor Khabib fight anytime soon because you're having no. you're having the title uh, bout to put to bring the titles together. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with Khabib so and Gaethje. I would say I would see I would I would honestly say you would you could have I could see them doing Khabib McGregor part two for the title, you know, and which is the, what they're kind of hoping for. The for. Belt. Like. I think they're crossing their fingers and they're going, let's not have another situation like we had with uh, uh, Gaethje versus uh, uh, Tony um, Ferguson, Ferguson, where it was supposed to be Ferguson could be v- Khabib. Which is um, never going to happen again. I think, yeah, I think we're over that. Sadly, I mean, we've been waiting that for like a decade, which is like, okay, well, that sucks now. And, like... Dana doesn't want to book it anymore. Well, yeah, because he lost. <laughs> it keeps getting messed up. And, like, Dana's probably like, God damn it, let's just do... Fucking... I guarantee you we're going to see... We're going to see McGregor versus Khabib again. Just because of no, the we amount... Will. Just, but I think that'll that'll be, like... I believe that'll be, like, the first big major fight after the after the pandemic is over after everybody can be back in Las Vegas to see like I think that we're going to see that fight early next year in like Fight Island maybe no I I think they're going to use that fight they need that's a fight that like needs people in the yeah in they're they're not going to waste a fight like no no but like here's my thing like even if Poirier wins and even if Gaethje wins, who gives a crap? Because we're, Khabib and Connor is still gonna make right. bank, and Connor, no matter who he fights, basically he's gonna make bank anyway. Well, that's why. That's so, why I think they would still do Connor, Khabib again, part two, because right, they still have beef, like. Yeah, but here's what, like, they want it to be for the title so bad just to promote it, but my thought yeah. is, who gives a rat? Yeah, it's kind of like, who else is he going to fight? Yeah. And four minutes ago, the Seahawks just announced that they will be wearing their lime green uniforms this weekend. Oh, really? Boy. The lime greens? <sighs> Wait, like the old style lime greens? 
No, like the the they're ugly. Oh, the the yeah. The oh, I love rush. those unis. No, I'm a huge I fan of them. them. No, I'm a huge fan of them. It's like the weird neon the color light. rush. The color yeah. rush ones. Yeah, let me pull them up. It's so gross. I I love the color rush unis. Because because I, I got a a post notification from their Instagram and it says. Uh, it says we're wearing these this weekend and i'm like <sighs> they um, like that i like i kind of like their camo ones is this know, really the... that bad yes yeah, pretty gross it's not i love them they're my favorite color rush unis i mean yeah i mean the color rich uniforms are all kind of terrible let's be they were all yeah. bad i'm glad we got rid of them well not totally not totally but at least we at least I mean, it's just part of the uniform I just, package i just think like and like all like monocolored uniforms just don't work. They might be wearing blue pants though. Oh, okay, if they're doing blue pants, that actually works better. Yeah, you know, because Disley does have blue pants in this picture. So. Yeah, because like old green doesn't work. But if it's like the green, the lime green top with like blue pants, I think that works better. Uh, I will say that my favorite Seahawks uniform is the gray uniform. Really. I actually like the gray uniform the most. It's not bad. I just I love just the blue one. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 about the gray for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah Shane, what are you going back to Connor? What are your thoughts as someone outside looking in, just looking at the hype of some of these fights and what's <laughs> gone on with Connor the last few months? I mean, we were all expecting Connor to return at some point. He, you know, he's fake retired several times. So. <laughs> yeah. And I was like you know we'll just wait a few months and he'll get some fight opportunity and then oh i'm coming back oh yeah shocker uh, you know <laughs> what a surprise it's it, it, yeah no exactly so i don't uh yeah i mean you know there seems to be a lot of hype every time he comes back so you know back not, quote unquote well yeah because yeah, he you know, because he's he is one of those fighters that not only attracts you know attention of obviously fight fans, but just you know the general public as is, because he gets a lot of media attention in the news. They're like, oh, Conor McGregor. It's like, oh my gosh, that guy. Yeah, the mm-hmm. yeah, the controversial Irishman. Uh, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's you know. I guess it's always fun to see him come back, but mm-hmm. I do always forget that he's Irish. I don't know why, but I just, I imagine him being like some guy from Boston or something, but then I hear him speak and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then to finish off the show for today, I uh, wanted to do some NHL stuff. I uh, wanted to do some NHL draft specific stuff since we had the draft uh, and talk about the number one pick uh, going to the New York Rangers, uh, Alexis Lafreniere. Um, a lot of hyper on him, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid level hyper on him. Uh, we did some prospect analysis, watched a little bit of tape of him. Uh, Brandon, you used to play goalie, correct? Brandon, you used to play goalie, correct? Is it glitched out again? <laughs> did Brandon disappear? I don't did know. Thanos, did Thanos snap him? Um, no, but the main the main thing in, in watching some of his tape, um, for me at least, um, 
was um, was his stick skill. Um, I I really loved his stick skill, his awareness of the puck. So much of of hockey is positioning and where you position yourself on the ice. Um, and he just does a phenomenal job of that. Um, he, he's also just really great at getting hits. He's not the most aggressive guy, but he, he, he does things in spots almost that I really enjoy because he, he hits a player in spots. He's creative and aggressive in spots, but he's also just a playmaker in spots, but he does those things based on the particular play and based on what's happening on the ice, very anticipatory. Uh, and that's someone uh, that's someone like Crosby when he came out as well. Um, and that I think is, is, is so difficult for a defense to kind of handle. Um, Brandon, you there? Yeah. Yep. So you used to play goalie, correct? Yes. How do you deal with a player like Lafreniere and uh, his skill set in terms of puck placement and positioning and all those things? Uh, you hope. I mean, I mean, look, like <clears throat> I watched his, I watched his, uh, his highlight tape, and like, dude's deadly. Like, he has the the stick handling. The he has the shot. He has the assist. I mean, he has the hockey IQ. Uh, I mean, also just the fact that he's also somebody who can go down in front of the net and just like hack away. You know, mm-hmm. like. Which is which is the most annoying type of player who like is has the tenacity just to keep like hacking away at the puck until it goes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I mean, what's deadly about a player like that is you like kind of pay it. You have to you lock in on that guy, and then you forget about the fact that usually there's a guy coming down on the other side of the ice. That he just passes to. You have to make the decision who do you who do you like maintain because usually when you're goalie you're taking up three like three fourths of the net on one side and then you need to turn over to the other side when the pass comes and that's why you see the goalies when there's like three on one just like sprawling out and they try and make the play and then the guy just pokes it in for the goal um so yeah. So other than the goalie stuff, what was kind of one of the main things that impressed you, not only about his, his placement, but also his defense, his hitting as well. Cause he kind of just does it at spots. He's not like the most aggressive enforcer, but he does it at spots where he needs to be. And there were certain plays in that highlight package too, where he's really creative as well. Talk about those pieces. I, I think it's his ability to, to get the play going, you know, like there's there's certain players that kind of kind of are able to get on their horse and go and get everybody else to go where like and I'm talking about the whole thing where like someone will come down around take the puck from behind the net and just be able to like get everybody going down the the ice which when you have teams that are able to like transition at speed that's something that just is something that's hard to teach mm-hmm. um and I think go, having a player like that on the Rangers who showed this year that they're starting to get better, uh, yeah, it's a big, big add. Um, and then and then finally, is there anyone in the league currently or past or present that you compare him to? Uh, Sidney Crosby. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. Sidney Crosby or Mario Lemieux? Mm-hmm. 
I definitely, think they're just the two guys, yeah. Yeah, definitely a, a superstar for sure uh, coming into the NHL. Which, I mean, we always have one of those a year, but over the last few years, we've gotten really lucky with guys like McDavid and Eichel and, and now Lafreniere uh, that we get a chance to, to watch their careers unfold. Uh, and that is it for uh, this Friday show. We'll be back on Sunday for our weekly post show of the NFL. Go through all of that stuff. Maybe we'll talk some NBA as well in that show. Uh, thank you, Shane. Thank you, Brandon. As always, uh, great show. Indeed. Thank you. All right. Have a good we'll weekend, s- everyone. Yes, have a great weekend, and we will see you to finish off the weekend on Sunday.